What's up, everybody? It's the Locked On Sabres podcast. Joe DiBiase from WGR Sports Radio 550. And Jordan Hanskin from the Meadville Tribune, as well as Locked On Sabres podcast, which is this one. Yes, this, this is what you are. <laughs> this is what you are listening for uh, or listening to. Um, by the way, quick shout out before we get into uh, before into the Sabres a little bit here. Griffin Lochran, a kid that I grew up with that lived like a street behind me. Um who played at Orchard Park High School, played for the West Seneca Wings. I still play pickup hockey with a lot. Used to play street hockey with him growing up. He won the scoring title in the WCHA in uh, in college hockey, and he's currently leading the way in all of the NCAA in goal scoring. So really cool to get a local product from Orchard Park High School here in Buffalo, um, leading the NCAA in scoring up for the Hobie Baker as well. So I think that's cool. A little shout out to Griffin there. And we had a couple of Sabre games over the weekend, three game losing trip in the West on the West coast, lost to Arizona, lost to Vegas, lost to Colorado. Botcherill makes a move for Simmons at the deadline. That's not like a major move, but it's funny. He made that move with the mindset of what playing important games in March and it's March 2nd. And it's over. <laughs> yep, that's that pretty much sums up uh, Botterill's uh, GM tenure for the Sabers. Is that you know he tries to do something where you know maybe they'll be a little bit better, and it just blows up in his face. Uh, everything uh, seemed to that was the worst. That was the worst possible result. Is you know yeah you played kind of well in at least two of the games, two of the three, and you ended up with nothing out of it because your team's just not that good. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's a tough wake-up call. The Sabres honestly did him a disservice with that that win streak yeah. uh, right before the deadline because uh, yeah. now, now it makes him look even worse. And, you know, I get what his thought was. I stand by what we said a week ago where I thought, you know, he's he's coaching for his job. He's coaching for – or he's, he's uh, GMing for his job, honestly, and he's got to make this team good. And, uh, yeah, they, they blew it for him. And it wasn't yeah. even necessarily – like, they didn't play that bad. It just, you know, showed that they're just not very good compared to, you know, playoff caliber, Stanley Cup caliber teams like the Knights and the Avalanche. Right, exactly. And um, it's it's like it's over. And you're 12 points back now. And the Leafs hold that third spot. And uh, you could look at it this way. You could have won those last three games. You could have won the last three games, flip all three of them. And you're still six points out. You're six points out with the game at hand. And maybe you're still, you think you're in it, but you would only be as close as you were when you made that move. And that's kind of, to me, why in the first place to ever think you were in a real race was crazy. If you you have to go on an insane tear to be able to make up six points. Six points is a lot more than it sounds because the NHL fabricates parity in its league with their two one point system in overtime. And I, I think the Sabres were kidding themselves if Jason Botcher, what I, I can't believe Jason Botcher wasn't smart enough to look at that and know that six points is way more than it looks like. That is something that those GMs in place need to be smarter than fan, the average fan, average Joe running around uh, thinking about the Sabres and looking at the standings. And he didn't, and he made a move based on it. And I wonder maybe if he really is, his job is on the line because that's the type of move I think you make 
if your job is on the line, like, oh, I know it's six points, but I got to get in. We got to get in or I might be screwed. And that maybe came to fruition or at least came to the light of day on Friday when Dave Pagnota from the fourth period, who's not in a major publication. You may have never even heard of the fourth period. Uh, you listen out there. But Dave Dave's plugged in. Like, he's broken a bunch of uh, news reports in the league. He broke John Tavares going to the Leafs as well as uh, maybe like uh, add, they had the Taylor Hall trade, I think, even back this year. He had Taylor Hall being traded back in the offseason as something New Jersey was considering. So he's very plugged in. And he said Friday that the Pagulas and or the organization are thinking about and are make they're they're considering making a GM change in the offseason. And I think there are two ways to look at this. One side of it is all right, well, Botcherill has really never had the full cap. He's always had a couple of bad contracts. Some of those have been his doing, but he's had some bad Timmery contracts that have been tough to deal with that have maybe prevented him from doing everything that he wants to do. And this would be the first chance. It's like, all right, all right, Jason, this is it. This is your chance. You got the full flexibility of the salary cap. You got over 30, you got like $35 million in cap space. Go get him, Tiger. Go, go see what, let's see what you got for real this time. Or the other side of it is, if you think there are enough signs that this guy is not capable of doing the job, there are enough signs to this point. Well, what, when would there ever be more of a perfect time for a GM change to bring in a new guy than when you've got $35 million in cap space, only four forwards under contract, a new GM coming in could basically do whatever he wants with the roster. He wouldn't be stuck with a bunch of Jason Bottrell guys the same way Bottrell was stuck with a bunch of Tim Murray guys. And what you remember is not every GM, I think, operates this way. Bottrell went a full season and didn't do anything because, and what we were hearing was, oh, he just wanted to figure out what he had. Well, we, we burned through a season so he could figure out what he had. I, I'm, I'm hoping that a new GM wouldn't have that same mindset. But if he did, I don't want to have to burn through another season if what Bottrell does this offseason doesn't work, that could set you back for years if you give him this offseason and he screws it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think it's I think it's very clear that he's, you know, GMing for his job. I don't think those moves were the moves that he made at the deadline were definitely the moves of a GM that's desperate for minimal success, any success. And, you know, he didn't go all in possibly because he couldn't find the big the big deal that he wanted but it was definitely moves that he's like I need to get to at least ninth or tenth place and to show that this team is competitive so then I have something to you know bring to the owners next year is like look we we we're moving up the standings and uh, yeah I think he made it was it was kind of selfish moves honestly I don't know if it was necessarily stupid mm-hmm. I would say it's more you know desperate or you know right. selfish thinking of his own job because when these GMs get in danger mode it gets a little bit it's not about the organization anymore it's about how can i stay for another year and while it's probably better for the sabers to be sellers in that point in time it's not better for jason Botterill to be seller to be a seller at that time yeah, that's right. And like I keep thinking if they want like they tried to get Chris Drury last time and he didn't want to interview for the job and or the Rangers didn't want to let him interview for the job. Whatever happened, the interview didn't happen. Didn't even get that far. But if the Sabres truly want a Chris Drury, for instance, just using him as an example to be their GM, if they if they want like a high profile guy or a star up and coming executive, well, 
like this is your way of convincing that guy to come here. It's like you listen, like it, you're not stuck with all this. You're coming here. You got four forwards. You got Eichel, Skinner, Opozo, and Johansson. The rest, do what you want. And Johansson's only got one year left, so you could really get out of that if you wanted to. Even if, like, I, I think it would be crazy to think you won't, wouldn't want Sam Reinhardt, but, hey, you don't want Sam Reinhardt? RFA. You don't have to give him a big deal if you want. Go trade him. You would give that guy tons of flexibility, um, and I think it would maybe increase the Sabres' odds of attracting a, uh, a star-level GM. I don't really know who else is out there. I don't really want Brian Burke um, <laughs> at all or someone like that, like an old dinosaur coming in here and, and running the show. Um but I, I think that there are maybe enough signs at this point that Bottrell just doesn't get value. He doesn't understand value in the league. I mean, the fact that Ristolainen is still on this team maybe is one of two things. He's either gun shy or he just thinks he's way better and way more valuable than the rest of the league does. Um, yeah, my, um, my biggest concern was that I found out that his the two teams that he traded with were teams run by former colleagues of right. his in Pittsburgh. That right. makes me that makes me really alarmed that he is gun shy to trading with people that aren't his friends. And right. it makes me wonder like, is he only comfortable like those two teams, like, do they know that they can take advantage of him? And that mm-hmm. like, you know, they're they might not be they're they're probably his friends or whatever, but like, you know, they, they know him. So they're they're comfortable with trading with him too. So they probably feel like they get good deals out of him. And I'm I'm concerned that he's that's just not doing your job if you're not talking to people that aren't from the Penguins organization. Mm, that's right. Um, Jordan Hanskin from the Meadville Tribune and the podcast here. Myself, Joe DiBiase from Lockdown Sabers and WGR. Um, I thought Dominic Cahoon played really well. Like I like him. I like his his game. I think he's quick. I think he's got a good release. I think he's got some good hands. I don't think he's got like superstar potential in there or anything. But he scores on his first shift, which was cool uh, against Vegas uh, on a I'm playing in a line with Johansson and VC. He assists on Johansson's goal in the game against Arizona. And I don't know your impressions of him, but like I, I liked him. Like I think that he's a guy that should be in this team's middle six, maybe for the next couple of years at least. Yeah, you know, the trade that trade turned out to be pretty good. I mean, you're not you didn't give up anything. Right. But it's like, you know, I mean, Wayne Simmons is not going to help us for the playoff push, so that trade's thrown out the window. But yeah, I thought he was good. Um that was a great pass by uh Johansson too. So oh, yeah. he's definitely a player that's in position to, you know, help out a guy that's, you know, not really a center playing center. And uh that that was big too. Um I'm just I I'm just mad at the team's defense, you know. The fact yeah. they've had leads in both the games, or they had a two-goal lead against Arizona, and then they give up five straight. Like, what? What's going on with that? But yeah, I, I mean, pleasantly surprised with Coon. Yeah, and it's not even like he's playing big minutes. Like he's playing under 13 minutes in his first two games. We got two points in two games, um, and both were pretty nice plays. So yeah, I'm, I'm impressed so far, and I hope that it keeps up. Um, Jeff Skinner getting off. Uh, maybe we thought I thought when he scored that first one, maybe the dam could burst a little bit. He's now got three goals in his last five games. He's got goals in back to back games against Arizona and against Vegas. And I think this was maybe like this. I wonder what the story of his season is going to end up being like how much of the blame Skinner actually gets. He's at 14 and 55 games. You've got what are we looking at? Seventeen games left. Like, I, what would be a good number for him? Like, would you take him getting to twenty goals at this point? That's six goals in seventeen games. Like, I think just getting to that twenty goal mark maybe just makes it look a little more respectable. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think, I mean, at least if you're just looking at Sabres Twitter, is that at, no one's putting the blame on him. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe like the beat reporters and stuff are saying that the dinosaurs. Know, yeah, yeah. The the <laughs> older guys are saying that he's not working hard enough for the goals or whatever. But most of the blame, I think, is heading towards Kruger's way from at least mm-hmm. <laughs> from at least fans. Um, that's that's their perception of it is that well, Skinner yeah. would be better. Skinner would be fine. We wouldn't be talking about his problems if he was on a better line. And, and I, I tend to think that's, it's, it's, that's right. Like, I, I, yeah. there's no reason why, because you saw him on a good line and he scored a ton of goals. You saw him on a bad line and he scores like 15. And here's the thing about that. This is, that's important for Kruger to get right because Skinner just signed an eight year contract. Ralph Kruger is not here for eight years unless he wins like either a cup or a bunch of playoff series. Like you don't last that long as a head coach in the league unless you get both of those things or one of the one of the two. So Skinner is going to outlast Kruger most likely. So if Kruger wants to be here for the long term, that's a guy he's got to figure out. Like he's just got to because he's under contract. He's here. We know the season before he scored 40 goals. Like We know he's got that capability and you've got to surround him in the right situation. You've got to be creative. You've got to try stuff. And even when you don't have the roster in front of you that I think is optimal to get the most out of Jeff Skinner, because you don't have a center to put with him if you don't want to do it with Eichel. And since Olofsson has emerged, then you there, you have good reason to not want to do that. You need, if you're not going to have that center, Yes, they're trying stuff like other than just going back to Marcus Johansson over and over and over and over and back to Jimmy VC or Connor Sherry. Oh, now it's Wayne Simmons. Like that, that's not really going to change. I think his season all that much in the production you're getting out of him. And I continue to harp on it, but like just splitting up Reinhardt off of those, that top line and getting Jeff Skinner, some help Eichel and Olafson will be fine. If you throw up another VC or Simmons type up with them, they'll still produce. Because really what you're doing is you're relegating, and I've been saying this a lot, you've been relegating Reinhardt to a supplementary role on that line all season. He's not the puck carrier because that's Eichel. He's not the go-to shot guy because that's Olofsson and it's also Eichel. And he's not the go-to guy in his own end because that's Eichel down the middle as well. So like, what what have you reduced Sam Reinhardt to? You've reduced him to like a four-checker, grinder, front-of-the-net type on that line. And I think that in an ideal world, Sure, I'd like to have him in that spot, but you couldn't afford to have him there all season when you had a a very talented offensive player on another line that was not getting any help. And to me, that's maybe the biggest criticism I've had of Kruger all season. And to me, that's the biggest impact, I think, or the biggest reason Jeff Skinner's had the year he's had. So I think I agree with a lot of Sabres Twitter. I agree with a lot of fans on this. Like, I don't want to put much, if any, of the blame on Jeff Skinner. Because the guy just hasn't gotten any help all season. He's scoring now. Like, I know something's maybe changed a little bit in the last couple of games. I think he was snake bitten. But, um, like, are you worried about him for the long term? Because I'm really not, as long as he can just finally get some playmaker next to him. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Um, you know, it's not about his ability, I guess. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's, it's definitely not about that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm with you with the Reinhardt thing, too. Like, I've, we we've talked about this. This is probably the biggest topic off the ice that we've had. Yeah, all year is Reinhardt and the decision making with him and with Skinner because it it kind of goes hand in hand. Like like you said, um, I I when I watch Reinhardt with Eichel, yes, he's good with Eichel, but like so is almost everyone, right? Like right. And uh, this is not that's 
detriment. This is not trying to be insulting to him because he's had a great year and he's played really well. But like, I would love to see him in like the the forefront role where he's getting the puck more because I see him like I think he's he's decent like positionally and off the puck, but he's a little bit passive when he's off the puck. That's at least what I see. Like, I think that I, I want him to be like the, the leader, like the, the breakout and stuff like that. Um, and to have, you know, two wings off him to play with. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd like to see just the different, see what his skill set is there because, you know, we've only saw it for like eight games when he was, you know, a child playing. <laughs> like right. it was kind of ridiculous to think about it. Like now he's, now he's like a, 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 full NHLer, like he's he's uh-huh. a grown man let's see what he can do at center when he's you know in his prime right exactly um jo- random topic of the day is uh today mayor pete he's gone oh rip. what happened how about that left out of left field eh? Yeah. mayor pete gone out of the democratic presidential race yeah i don't really understand like the the reasons for why you do it now, why you didn't do it a week from now. Um, Probably he's a guy a that's, yeah, for, yeah, for I think so. I think that's exactly what he is. I think he, uh, he's been probably the champion of the party. Like this party has got to be united type thing. Yeah. A little bit like that's the, he talks a lot about it, that stuff, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to be running for a while. So he's 38. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to, he's going to try again next year, next time around, unless the Democrats win the presidency. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so interesting. I think that it's, it's Bernie versus Biden to me. Um, yeah. I think yeah. if Bernie doesn't win, it's probably, you know, a crime to the party, to, to the, to, to the people that are voting. Cause like he's won every state except for South Carolina. Is that right? Yes, which Biden won over the weekend, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So and huh. Biden was expected to win do, that. That was like Biden. Ever... That was Biden's place. We're running out of uh silly debate moments though. That's that's the biggest crime about uh Mayor Pete <laughs> dropping out. Like who's You're not gonna get to, the Mayor to... Pete Klobuchar yeah. battles anymore. They need Elizabeth Warren in these debates just because she'll go after people. Like like and, and it's yeah. funny. Like I that's what I'm looking for in these. I, I'm not really caring too much about like this election this time, but like I- I'm looking for the humor in it all. And that, that's what I've been doing than... my entire life. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. We're looking for the humor in it and you need yeah. more, you need a big cast of characters, I think. And you got a greater opportunity to find that humor. Um, and there's drop, they're dropping like flies uh, lately. Delaney. Yeah, I mean, what happened to Del- our boy Delaney? That, yeah, this is the, this is the point where you start to lose all the, the fun characters that you like. Oh. That are just you know kind of crazy. I mean, Biden is a is a character. He is he's a crazy old man. He's a yeah. He's a he's a strange bird. Uh, <laughs> but oh, yeah, and Bernie yeah. Bernie to his credit is also kind of a kind of a he's kind of nuts, which I kind of yeah, like. I respect it. Men. I respect it. Yeah. So um, that should be that should be a fun battle. I think. And our other uh, random topic of today before we got out of here: Will you be watching tomorrow night? Volcano Live with Nick Walenda on ABC. Nick Walenda, the man who walked no. on a tightrope across <laughs> Niagara Falls, is going to walk over an active volcano. <laughs> Will you be tuning in? See, he kind of cheats though with the safety net. Well, the no no safety net this time apparently. What? 
No safety. So there. there's a chance that we see. I it's kind of like uh, damn if you do, damn if you don't. You know, like that he'll fall into a volcano. Yeah, you, like I want the sa- like I want the safety net because I don't want to see a man fall into lava. But on right. the other hand, like I don't want the safety net because it's more thrilling that way. I I know I he, <laughs> I think it's stupid. I don't think he should, it should be legal for him to do this. Like I really don't. But I'm not watching. I think if there's a safety harness, I think I'm watching if there isn't. Like I I, I hate that that tug of war because I he shouldn't be allowed to do it. But I'm going to watch if there's no nothing keeping him up. Now I heard an interview with him. And this one is different than the Niagara Falls one because remember he was just walking like having to deal with wind. Remember, like everyone's talking about, oh, the wind was going to be a big deal. Well, yeah. apparently he's got to wear an oxygen mask because it's the, all the gases coming up from the volcano. <laughs> he's got to wear a heat suit because it's going to be so hot, and like he's not going to be able to see more than ten feet in front of him because of the smoke. Like this one, oh my god! Like I, I think I might actually watch it. I didn't watch the Grand Canyon one he did. I watched the Niagara Falls one mostly because it was a local thing. I think I'm watching Volcano Live with Nick Melinda uh, tomorrow. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little like that's scary. I wouldn't I wouldn't even go. I wouldn't even want to like go like near a volcano. Tune in as a, <laughs> as a man falls into an active volcano on Wednesday. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. It's a two hour event, by the way. That's a strange one. Uh, maybe we'll have a watch party for. It. We'll have a lockdown sabers of Volcano <laughs> Live watch party. So uh, stay tuned for the details on that. All right, that's going to do it for uh, me, Joe DiBiase, and as well as Jordan Hanskin, at SneakyJoeWGR for me on Twitter, at Hanskin for Jordan on Twitter. This has been the Locked On Sabres podcast, Joe DiBiase and Jordan Hanskin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.